seconds left. Pierce with three. Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. C. Grant, what's going on? And this is Views from the Clutch, episode 22. Three? 23, 23, like MJ. Yeah, it's the Michael Jordan, MJ. <laughs> and ironically, <laughs> the topic of discussion today will be a former team of his. But before we get into that, as always, I want to take a moment to say thank you to all of those taking time out to partake upon our podcast show us love and support all the likes that we get on the facebook page commentary available on our instagram again as always if you'd like to be in contact with us feel free to leave us a message directly on one of the podcast hosts where you can find us or you can message us directly at views from the clutch at gmail.com or leave comments on any of our social networking pages and with that being said we're going to jump into episode well, before we jump into episode 23 and its full spectrum, what is purpose? Are there any NBA hot topics you want to discuss? Do you, do you want to touch that top 50 list or you just want to leave it as that? I, I mean, I, honestly, that top 50 list is just a shame. It's, it's atrocious, man. I mean, you ain't got Allen Iverson in that top 50 list. I'm like, wow, no Allen Iverson, no Dominique. I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of players that shouldn't be there. Kobe's not in the top 10. Like, there's so many things. I just think they were doing that to get boost ratings to their, their stat, to that event. I mean, to that, you yeah. know, web, to the, not, just, not just the website, but just the article and let people know that NBA season's around the corner because there's no way on God's green earth that you do that. I mean, <laughs> yo, you got... He brought God into it. <laughs> I'm just saying, yo. <laughs> it's so bad. They had to call on the, <laughs> had to call on the heavenly power. Like, yeah. I, that's why I brought it to your attention because I mean I consider you to be one of the I consider you to be more, a lot more calm than I am, and yeah. I knew if there was ever going to be something that ever grinded your gears before we got into full hot take mode, Yo, that list crazy. that list is ridiculous, man. It was hilarious listening to you actually like check on it right before we started last podcast. Like I, I honestly, I was I was tickled. I was really yeah, because I overlooked Alan Iverson not being on it. I thought. I thought I just missed AI's name. <laughs> but then they had they have AI not even told my honorable mention. What the heck? Y'all about to lose your publication about to go out of business, man. What you talking about? And that's man? the Bleacher Report, mind you. Yo, I don't even know who created Bleacher Report, but you y'all wild on that. Y'all ain't drug test y'all on people, man. Yeah. Who, who somebody some senior editor editor had to approve that. You know what well, I'm saying? I mean, like, in this day and age of, of internet and, and publications. Who knows if people are actually getting their 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 work? Yeah, because you got spot checked. Yeah, you know? how you not have Allen Iverson, but you got Chris Paul on there? Like Chris Paul never let no team to the finals. Chris Paul ain't never been in the the go to scorer. I mean, you know, I'm like say I I can't listen. They gonna pick who they pick, but for you, it's the the omission. Like I say I I can't disrespect none of those players that actually made it because you know some at some point some of those guys were. You know, were good, great players. You know, I mean, to be the top fifty or top one hundred in any profession, especially when there's millions of people that try to get into those positions, and you're the cream of the crop. That's cool, but like I said, I can't. Like I said, that's just not. 
Like my said, thing is, my angle was like, as a responsible journalist, I think you do a disservice to your audience when you give an opportunity or a light to something like, and I'm speaking of them, the people who published the list, Bleacher Report, when you give light to a generation of young basketball fans who may not ever get an opportunity to witness some of these players and you just casually move players around that have footage available to go look at YouTube. So, oh, okay. Well, Bleacher Report says Chris Paul was number, I don't even know his number on the list. Chris Paul was number such and such. And he's one of the top 50 players of the game. Alan Iverson, everything of his goes back to like 1996. Like, hey, you get what I'm saying? That whole revisionist history where you can just start moving people around and coming up with all these convenient stat categories, which as I said, is the, the, the danger sometimes of analytics. Because if you're looking to prove something all you have to do is find the right stat category and, and you can have an argument, which is how Daryl Morey can get away with saying, oh, James Harden's definitely a better scorer than Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if you properly put something in, in a context to portray what it is you're trying to convey, you can get over with anything. And I think that list is a reminder of that, that like, you know. Some people just got free time that needs to be used more constructively because if you're just going to sit here and use things like defensive plus minus and win shares to tell you which player is better and so on and so forth, then you're no longer giving credence to what is the, the, the final and most important test of evaluating anything that you consider to be great. And that's the eye test. You know what I'm saying? We saw Allen Iverson literally drag 11 dead bodies to the NBA Finals. And I'm not saying that to besmirch the, the, the roster that he had, but the reality of that team that he brought to the Finals is that's not even a team he started the season with. That's not even a team that he got into the playoffs with. Because remember, George Lynch was hurt, and that was the second-best player. They, they, were, they were doing plug-and-play all the way to the Finals. Well, and beyond that, Allen Iverson is a multiple-time scoring champion and – we're not we're not going to take it any further than that. But for all of those who are listening, the list that we're referring to is available for you to go and check out on your own on Bleach Report. And interesting enough, if if y'all have feelings about that list, tell us tell us what y'all consider to be your most egregious oversight or most ridiculous addition or whatever the case may be. We we want to hear how y'all felt about that. Um, I'm not really sure of any other more pressing hot takes as far as basketball is concerned. I know that a lot of the NBA teams had their media day over the past couple of days. So there've been a lot of um, interviews out there available for people to watch. Russell Westbrook, um, James Harden, obviously the entire Los Angeles Lakers roster, even including the injured Kyle Kuzma, they all were present on the media day. Um, and around the league, around the league, a lot of the teams are taking their promotional photos and beginning training camp and so on and so forth. So, as the wheels begin to turn and we brace ourselves to get ready for this NBA season, we're going to do all we can to start speed bagging these team reviews because we are well aware that there are going to be more pressing issues that are going to come out that we would definitely like to discuss our usual time to. So if y'all just bear with us as we continue to travel through the teams that make up this great league that we love so much, bear with us. We'll, we'll be back on the clock shortly. So we're, we're going to put in a lot of work in these next few days and hopefully get y'all nice and caught up. But without further ado, today's topic and today's season preview is of the 2019-2020 Washington Wizards. 
And because you are an occupant of that glorious area, they call it DMV, and are privy to them on a daily personal basis, I'm going to hand the floor to you and you take us through the 2018-2019 Washington Wizards. Well, I'm going to go over the 2019-2020. I'm, I'm going to briefly talk about the, the season of last year, which was 2018-2019, where they f- finished uh, 32 wins and 50 losses. That was um, that was uh, not a good record for the Wizards. They did have a lot of injuries, but the Wizards, to me, have, unfortunately, they kind of hit a wall. I mean, well... No pun wow. intended. No pun intended. I mean, with the situation with John Wall, you're on fire um, right now. You know, John Wall tearing his Achilles, and he's out for next year. They got a lot of decisions to make. They want to keep Bradley Beal, but in Bradley Beal's defense, he might not want to stick around. I really don't know what his uh, take is on that. That's something. Did that, he sign? Did he sign? No, the, he, never, uh, he never. They offered him the extension. Uh, but he, he has to like October something to yeah yeah, put yeah. basically I think I think it's like kind of like before the first game or something like that which is kind of like the end of October, uh, but I think he has the end of October to make that decision. If not, then I mean he still has two years on his deal, so I mean he could play this season out, then go ahead and go, you know, try to make a maybe an All NBA team or something, make another try to try to play for like a super max deal or something. Because he might look at it like, listen, if I'm going to stick around, I might as well get paid a lot to do it because he's made – I mean, this season alone he'll be at $27 million this upcoming season, but a player like John Wall, who's not playing at all this season, is at $38 million. So that's a lot of money. Diff- that's a lot of difference when, you know, there's a lot of people that feel that Bill is the better of the two. You know, he he's a younger player, but he, he – Definitely both of them have been injured quite a deal, but you're talking about a lot of um, John Wall. His his game is predicated on his explosion and his his, um, his dribbling ability and his ability to get to the basket. So and just that, that speed. So they're going to be in a, a world where the fact that they're hurt. And then also they signed Isaiah Thomas, uh, who was formerly known from the Boston Celtics days, they signed him, but then he ended up breaking a finger, so he's it's out picky. for the next, yeah. He, but he's out for the next six weeks or so. So mm-hmm. the, the Wizards, like I said, they going into this season. They won thirty two games last year. That's going to be a stretch, for, in my opinion, for them to get that, unless Bradley Beal just puts the Wizards on his back. I mean, I I, I just don't see it. They're going to have to. If they're going to try to salvage this season, they're going to have to look to make some trades or something. I mean, Bill averaged 25 and 5 last year, uh, 25 points and 5 assists. I mean, and 5 rebounds. So basically, 25 and 5 he averaged last year. I mean, if even if his numbers go up, that doesn't justify them winning because I'm looking at their roster and I'm like, yo, they are in trouble, man. How did they win 30 games? 32 games last year. I mean, like I said, Bill, I mean, Wall played Wall played a good amount of those games. Um, he got hurt right around the All-Star break, right? No, I thought it was, it was right. December? Was it December? I got, oh, yeah, because he only played 32 games last year, so, which is so crazy because he played 41 the year before. Golly. This dude, the injuries, man. 
Not for nothing, but that's not a that's not a good sign. So, okay, let me look at their roster from last year. You know, like I said, I looked at their yeah their so, schedule or whatever. But so I, last year's roster included players who include Trevor Reza, of course, Bradley Bill, Troy Brown, Thomas Bryant, Sam Decker, Jeff Green, Dwight Howard, who played all of thirty eight seconds, um, John Jenkins, Wesley Johnson. Ian Mahimi, Jordan McRae, Markeith Morris, Kelly Oubre, who's now a Phoenix Sun, Jabari Parker, who is now playing. Where's Jabari at now? Jabari is ah, New Orleans. Yeah, correct. So Jabari is now in New Orleans. No, Atlanta, um, I think. I think it's Atlanta. Atlanta. I'm sorry, Atlanta. Gary Payton III was there for a stand. Otto Porter, who's now a Chicago Bull. Bobby Portis, who's now a New York Knicks. Chasson Randall, I'm not sure where he's at. He might still be on the team. Austin Rivers, who is in Houston. Devin Robinson. Thomas Sadoransky, who I believe is he's on Chicago Bulls now. Yes, sir. Jason Smith, who's a longtime veteran, most famously known for committing a flagrant foul on Blake Griffin. John Wall, who's out for the season. And O'Carro White. Um, new additions this year include C.J. Miles, Isaac Bonga, Davis Bertens, Jamario Jones, their prize rookie, who is Rui Hachimura, who went to Gonzaga, but also played for the Japanese national team in the this year's World FIBA Cup. Um, Isaiah Thomas, who, of course, we just dealt, dealt with having been injured, but came over from Denver. Um, Ish Smith, who famously is known for his work in Detroit as a backup point guard. He literally played like 81 games because I don't know what the hell was wrong with that with Reggie Jackson, but he hasn't been healthy since he got to Detroit. Um, so here are some of the other names I've never heard of. Uh, you got Justin Robinson, Phil Booth, Kellen Dunham, Chris Chioza. Justin Robinson, Garrett, I remember him because he played for University of Virginia. Uh, Tech. No. Tech. It was Virginia. He played for Virginia Tech. No, Justin Robinson. Oh, oh, you said Justin Robinson. You said Justin Anderson. Yeah, Justin Robinson played for Virginia Tech. So, um, and Chris Chioza, who went to Florida and is a returning first-year player. I'm pretty sure he's probably on a minimum contract. If you look at their salary breakdown, like you alluded to, John Wall is the highest-paid player on their team at 37.8 mil. Bradley Bill trailing at 27.1. Ian Mahimi is making $15 million a year. C.J. Miles is at eight. Thomas Bryan is at eight. Davis Bertans at seven. Ish Smith is at going on six. Riachimura on his rookie deal is at four and a half mil. Troy Brown is at three point two. Isaiah Thomas he signed for two point three. Moritz Wagner, who is a former Laker, is making two million. Isaac Bonga is making one point six. Jordan McRae one point six. Jamari Yo Jones one point four. Jonathan Simmons. Yeah, I mean, is, evil, is that evil. the Jonathan Simmons? Uh, I don't know. Uh, either way, with the numbers on their on their yeah, salaries, that's the Jonathan Simmons. Yeah, but I mean, like former said, Spur Jonathan Simmons. Yeah, Spurs who went to Orlando and stuff. Uh, I think Admiral Schofield and Justin Robinson are the final two players, and they're both making less than a million dollars. Please continue. Yeah, I mean, oh, uh, the Wizards. Let me say this: they had won twenty-two games, um, prior to February. So, then the last like so February is pretty much the All Star break. Yeah. So from from February into so, April, May, whatever the case. So the basically, they, they won, won ten games. 
Yeah, pretty much. From February. Yeah, because this is at, at 24. Yeah, they had 24 wins at the All-Star break. So, so they won eight games for the remainder of the season. Yeah, which is which goes to show you, like, this that loot that unfortunately for this that's going that losing is going to continue this season. I mean, because like you said, of the players we mentioned, I mean, who do you feel on their roster that's going to be able to help Beal? Okay, um, before we get too in depth, um, first and foremost, their coach is returning, Scott Brooks. Their front office remains intact. Ernie Brunfeld, former mismanager. I mean, former. No, they got rid of Ernie. They got they got rid of got Ernie. Rid of Ernie? Yeah, they got they got the uh, what's the new dude? Um, he used to work with Ernie, so I don't know if that necessarily makes a big difference. But yeah, they got rid of Ernie. Ernie. Who, Ernie. Tommy Shepard is Tommy Shepard because he yeah. was also listed as an executive. Yeah, Tommy Shepard. Yeah. So he got promoted. Tommy Shepard. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Shepard's pie is your new GM. Um, statistically. The Washington Wizards were 10th in the league in offense, scoring 114 points a game. And they were 29th in defense, giving up 117 points, 117 a game. Uh-huh. Um, their pace was 9th out of the 30 teams. Their offensive rating was 14th, and their defensive rating was 28th. Um, and somehow Scott Brooks kept his job. Now, mind you, I don't think in a situation where you have the type of health issues that the the Wizards suffered that a coach should be to blame and it has been unfortunate that since Scott Brooks got there that they really only had what maybe a couple of seasons or maybe one season where where they kind of had a reasonably healthy roster and they were in the what the eighth seed or something like that that year so I've always I'm not gonna say I've been a fan of Scott Brooks as a coach but I've always respected him as a coach because he did you know coach that Thunder team that got to the finals. So there is the ability for him to bring together young talent and get them to play together and to succeed. So I don't want to take anything away from his coaching potential, but I just think that he's dealing with a dumpster fire in this situation and it's going to be really tough for him to, I don't know, have have a, a, a lining of any positive type to to what's going on down there in DC, man, it, it's tough sledding. Yeah, DC is definitely a. Uh, it's weird. DC is a great city, but you feel like I would think it'd be a great market because a lot of their fans still come to the games through and throughout. But the product that they're putting on the floor is not something that you would uh, that you could justify why people come to the games. I mean. Because I'm looking at this roster, and this roster, you know, obviously had John Wall last year, but even with John Wall, this is it's still a struggle. And they, even in the Eastern Conference to make the playoffs. So I really don't see how. I just, I mean, I wonder why DC can't attract. Maybe it's, maybe it's the front office, maybe it is the coaching. They but, have a salary cap situation. They literally can't bring anybody there and stay under the cap. No, but what I mean is, and what I was getting at is, besides Ball and Ball and we, I mean, Beal and Wall, they haven't been able to get anybody to come. They so have like, drafted talent, but then they abandon it. I mean, why is Kelly Oubre in Phoenix? Because they didn't want to pay him. I'm assuming that's why, because. But I you kept I, Ian Mahimi, and he's yeah, not even going to start. I don't understand. He's yeah. Like I said, I, 
I don't understand it because when yeah. I thought so again, I think there, I think there's, I think there's a multitude of issues going on. I think one of that has to do with the mismanagement of their mm-hmm. front office, which is something that they appear to have tried to address by removing Ernie Grunfield. I mean, we all know that Ernie Grunfield is a longtime saboteur of the New York Knicks, so uh-huh. it comes as no surprise that he would be affiliated or attached to a roster that is not well put together and not in a position to actually have any aspirations. Um, uh-huh. And I don't want to, again, take a shot at the person who, who's probably at home on the couch or whatever the case may be. He might have a, another NBA job. Listen, I hope his bounce back was good, but at the end of the day, like he is affiliated with the downfall of of, of franchises. So, Sometimes you just have to own it. That's the nature of how the NBA business works. But, yeah, I mean, I can't even point to a playing style that this roster makes sense even trying to trot out there and do other than, hey, all four of us, let's set picks for Bradley. And if somebody double teams them, somebody cut to the basket. Maybe we'll get a shot. I mean, I can go through the skill set of some of these guys and speak to what I know they're capable of doing on this current roster. Obviously, we know Brad Bill, he can score on all three levels, meaning that he can score inside the paint, he can score from the mid-range, and he can score from the three-point line. C.J. Miles is a known quick-trigger shooter. Moritz Wagner, oh. who went to Michigan, and you know I'm a Michigan guy. I, I, I love that. I love that school. John Bayline was his coach. He's, he's a 6'11 big man, but he's got a perimeter touch. Um, <laughs> But I don't see him get more minutes than Thomas Bryant. Right. I don't. I, again, but at six eleven and actually being a power forward, there's an opportunity for him to be out there to stretch the floor, to be a pick and pop guy. So I, I don't know. Obviously, what their trade, their training camp, and who they trot out there is going to be a big indicator of what it is they're trying to do. We won't take long to know if they're tanking or if they're progressively trying to move towards some sort of competitive atmosphere there in Washington. We know what Isaiah Thomas brought to the table three years ago, but lo and behold, that's three years ago. He's 30, and he's playing on a brand-new hip. So we don't know if that's sustainable. You know, he might wind up being a spark plug guy for the rest of his career because he just physically can't withstand doing anything more than that. Rui Hachimura, he's the wild card to me. Mm-hmm. I was very impressed with some of the things that he did, including the game that he had against Team USA, but also his overall standing in the World Cup. Like, I took the time out to go out and check these guys because, you know, I just want to be more informed when I talk about them. And I remember him at Gonzaga. He was a force. So mm. I don't know if that force translates to the NBA because he didn't really have much of a perimeter jump shot. And, again, in this day and age of the NBA, when you're a six eight in-between guy, the only way to stop somebody who's faster than you is to make up true jump shots. So I think that's what he'll see for the early parts of the season. And if he doesn't manifest some sort of – jump shot game that makes defenses play him honest and a lot of the skills that he has they'll, they'll be reduced kind of like what Zion is going to deal with but obviously at a lesser extent because you know he doesn't have the expectations that Zion is carrying on him Ish Smith is a real twitch fiber you know 25 minutes a game type of point guard he's real steady he's going to run your offense he's going to get you into your set plays and if the clock breaks down he's got that type of handle that he'll make somebody look real foolish and he'll probably be able to get himself to the basket and get a shot, either contested or a floater or whatever the case may be. He's very stable. Um, Davis Bertans, he played in San Antonio. So I know that he's a system player who was capable of hitting the open three a lot because he did that a lot in, in San Antonio. When they would run their rotation offense and the ball swung to him, he was usually on the left upper break of the three-point line, and he would bang that three. 
he's 6'10 also. So he also does his work on the, in, in the paint, getting rebounds and so on and so forth. But he's not an interior player. Thomas Bryant is their lone interior player. And he's more of a role guy with, what, maybe like four or five moves in the post, would you say? Yeah, but I think he's going to have to step up this year for him. I mean, they gave him a nice contract and they believed in him. Even when last year they were trying to give him a lot more touches and they give him becoming more of an option when John Wall went down. They kind of started turning towards him to become a, a more of a scorer for them. I mean, he the nice last contract he's making eight million dollars a year. Well, you got to figure he was in the G League what the year before that or something like that. So, I mean, it's just, he was drafted by Utah in 2017. He played then he played with the Lakers. He played for the Lakers for 15 games. Yes, yeah, I'm saying so. The the Wizards, yeah, he played for and then he. They, so you got to think about it. So your he's first from year, Rochester. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Um, but he went. He went. He what? So the Lakers for 15 games, he averaged basically a point and a half. Then he went to the Wizards last year, and played 20 minutes and averaged 10 points and six boards. So they signed him to, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was like a um, three-year, 18 million dollar deal, or or three-year, 20 something million dollar deal, something yeah, like that. that. Yeah, so somewhere around 21 to 24 million, he probably got so like 7.9. Yeah, so that, so so you you're paying. I'm looking at it. They're looking at him to to step up and be a more of a um, focal point in the offense. Because also the last, I think it was like five to ten games, he was averaging about fifteen to twenty points a game. I mean, now granted that's the season's pretty much over, and they're just probably putting him out there trying to say, hey, what do we have? Do we have anything that we can carry over? But they must have saw something in him that allowed them to go ahead and. You know, go ahead. But what did you see in him? You're, I mean, you're, I saw him. I, I saw him as a as a steady player that had his moments. I mean, now those moments. This, like I said, this season for me, I think he would be a sleeper because he took a lot of he. I want to say he took a lot of threes according to his stats. He only took a ninety. He took about a hundred three pointers. And he made thirty. That's a lot of threes for a three man for five. Well, not not just that for a guy playing twenty twenty minutes a game that. That um, like it wasn't a, the consistent start. He started fifty three games. He played seventy two. I mean, from what I saw, I thought he could be a kid that could give the Wizards. If he averaged ten points last year, I could see him giving the Wizards about fourteen. Fourteen and ten. No, I don't think he'll get ten rebounds. He just to me, he didn't seem like that much of an aggressive rebounder. I think he'd give him about fifteen. 15 or 14 and like seven, you know, which is, which is, so you give him more minutes and he only get one more rebound out of it. I mean, I don't expect it. I don't think he's going to get four more rebounds to average for the entire season. You know I mean? I think he will be getting 10 rebounds throughout, throughout the year. He will get some 10 rebound games, but I think so, it depends on his minutes. Okay. If he goes up to like 30, 30 or 30, what, 4, 32, 34? Yeah, I mean, in this day and age in the NBA, he could be at 18 and 8. 18 and 8 for him would be great a great season. 18 and 8 is almost Clint Capella-like. I'm just saying, I think he has a better uh, uh, individual game. Maybe not, not a team a team game and rebound and block shots like Clint Capella, but mm-hmm. he's, got the, he's got the range. He can shoot the three. He can shoot the little elbow jump shots. He's got, so he's actually got he's actually got more skills than Clint Capella has. Clint Capella is a is a role man mm-hmm. who 
hasn't taken a shot outside of seven feet that I've seen watching basketball since I've seen him play. I'm not saying that he's not capable of doing it. He just hasn't manifested it, and it's definitely not a part of the Rockets' offense. If you got a guy who's got a perimeter touch and can be a role man, and, you know, he's got a little weight to him, so he, he's going to get Bradley Bill open off of those screens. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, again, I, I, see, I see where you're going with it. Him averaging 10 and 6 as an unknown commodity in the NBA. Like, let, let's just be real with all of our audience out there. Averaging 10 and 6 when nobody knows you is kind of easier than when everybody knows who you are. And there's a focus on what you're capable of doing. Once the once once these teams start game planning and plotting to take certain people out of games, that that policy does tend to affect players who don't have any counters. But the way you're describing what he's capable of, I don't think there's much they're going to be able to do to counter. He's going to be open on pick and fades. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be able to hit a step out because that's the most vulnerable shot in almost every NBA defense is the big man taking the mid-range jump shot. It's almost like the defense wants you to take it so they don't even plan on defending it correctly. I mean, if you go back and watch big man mid-range jump shots throughout last year, the most you'll see is a a late closeout of a guy flailing to start to get back on offense. Mm -hmm. More so than you'll see a, a concerted contest like back in the Kevin Garnett era where he would pick and pop and he would go to that elbow and he would damn near have to shoot a contested jump shot over somebody because they just knew that that was money. Now, because of the analytic era and everybody speeding towards getting layups and, and, and threes, that mid-range territory, is, is, you know, it's buck naked out there. It's buck naked. So I think, like you said, if he's able to manifest that skill set he showed in limited time with the amount of opportunity that he's going to have with the type of players that he has surrounding him, the only way his numbers don't improve is if – NBA teams specifically say, hey, along with Bradley Bill, we're taking Thomas Bryant out of the game. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I think with extended minutes, I-, I think his trajectory is true based off of what you described. I-, I would expect that at his height of 6'11", which is you know as close to seven feet as you can get without being seven feet, he should be able to up his rebounding considerably, especially on a team where they don't have a lot of shooting he'll probably be able to sneak a lot more offensive rebounds than some other bigs might be able to. I mean, he only averaged one and a half offensive rebound a game last year. If he's able to get that to two and a half, then he's already, you know, putting himself in a position where all he's got to do is grab a couple more defensive boards and we're good to go. And he's definitely going to be a great value contract. Even if he produced what he has now at 10 and 6, in this day and age of modern NBA, if you're giving 10 and 6 – that's worth eight million dollars a year already. Yeah, no, no, that's what I'm saying. So there, I think he, I think for him, it's going to, like you said, the Warriors aren't going to win that many games. But like you said, if you have some bright spots, I mean, I think for him, uh, he's definitely going to have to step it up. They're going to need more out of him, and I think it, this, this will be for him the perfect opportunity to because who is your secondary scorer beside who's going to who's going to back up Bradley Bill in the scoring category? And if I was him, I would be looking towards being that role because you can't expect CJ Miles to get that. I mean, he's not. That's not his role. And I'm looking at who 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 their starters possibly are. I mean, if Isaiah Thomas doesn't get hurt, he could be going for that that um, point guard position. But I think they're going to start Ishmith. Then it'd be Bradley Bill, mm-hmm. Ishmith, and Bradley Bill in the backcourt. I think it'd be Thomas Robinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rookie Hachimura, 
And said Thomas, you mean Thomas Bryant? Yeah, Thomas Bryant. Thomas. I'm sorry, Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant at the five. Yeah. Roy Hach- Hachimura at one of the four spots, or the four or five. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the three to four. four. And then, I really don't, it's a stretch to get that that last person, honestly, when I'm looking at their roster. How, how's Troy Brown? Do, do, I is, think, is, 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 no, they've been giving Troy, Troy Brown, they've been giving him some um, light. So they they they're kind of high on him, uh, not for nothing. He he seems like every time I seen him play, he he seemed like he had like he had a little bit to him. I mean, he was a rookie, so yeah, he was a rookie. But I, I, they were very high on him. You know, they were looking at him as the type of person they say, you know what, they he could be a sleeper now. The the reality is I don't know if he would be that, but they might have to have him start. And sometimes when you start, doesn't necessarily justify that, you know, you're gonna play the entire game and stuff like that. So starting, I mean, like I said, he he's you know his pretty much he was he at, took he took uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but statistically he took a little over one three a game. He shot 31 percent from three. Which again, the reason why I'm going to his three point shooting because it's a reflection of his ability to space the floor, and with the type of players that they have on the court, if you've got Isaiah Thomas and Bradley Bill, then Troy Brown has got no business dribbling the basketball. So you're not going to be looking at him to do anything much off the dribble. He's probably going to be getting fed or scoring off of help baskets. So yeah, I mean, based off of what he statistically produced last year, yeah, he would have to make a significant leap. Well, and I think the only way for him to do it. He was a lottery pick, too. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. He was a lottery pick from Oregon, a Pac-12 team. He he actually played well when he was at Oregon. He was, This is not a bum we're talking about. Again, uh-huh. when we talk about these guys, we're not, you know. <coughs> he was also only 19 years old. <coughs> Excuse me. So you got a kid who's going to be, what, 19, 20? Mm-hmm. He just he, yeah, he just turned 20. His birthday was back in July. So looking at a kid who essentially would have been a junior in college, mm-hmm. who I, I don't know. Again, it really – I'm projecting the Wizards based off roster. I definitely can't give them more than 21 wins, if that. I mean, honestly, they would be lucky to get 20 wins, to be real, realistic, based off of, of what they're projecting out there. And that's with an, a healthy Isaiah Thomas. I just don't see where the points are going to come from. And I see so many problems on defense with what they're putting out there. I mean, I love Isaiah Thomas to death. He's got the spirit of a warrior, but that guy can't guard a shadow. He, he's not a defensive <laughs> stalwart. Like, I mean, when – Say he when, can't when guard he, his shadow. God damn. Yeah, his, his shadow would give him real problems. So, um, Isaiah, Tom, I mean, come on. We, we can go back to the time when he played under Brad Stevens and they played the hide me defense. He is the reason, and this is going to sound like I'm throwing shade, but he's the reason why old boy got the contract he did. Because if he doesn't play alongside – and guard the other team's point guard so that you can hide Isaiah Thomas. And I can't think of his name. So Marcus Smart. Yeah. If 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 Marcus Smart isn't that pit bull on defense, that's undersized but able to guard mm. point guards and and two guards to have mm-hmm. that type of defensive versatility, then that whole Isaiah Thomas 
MVP season where he's averaging 29 points a game. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. He didn't go shot for shot when he played against Kyrie. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I totally get you. So, so again, you try the guy out there, and now you immediately have to tilt your defense to ensure that he's not getting exposed every trip down the floor. That's difficult on a team defense, especially if you're trying to put a team defensive concept in place. Now you need that guy. Now, obviously, that's going to be Bradley Bill. But how much can you really expect from Bradley Bill as a two-way player when you're going to need 25, 27, 28, 33, 44 points a game just to be able to make the other team sweat? It's going to be a toll. And at first I was hesitant to say, damn, why ain't Bradley Bill just taking the money, especially this day and era? where he saw John Wall take the money and say, yo, if I got hurt, at least I got this. Bradley Bill is seriously, you know, leading me to believe that, like, winning really does matter more than the money. And if that's the case, then this is just going to be the trade Bradley Bill campaign. Uh, We got to see. We definitely have to see. I I don't know what his mindset is. I don't know what his relationship. Remember, I mean, like you said, this Bill and Wall started out with some uh, rough around the edges, but I don't know if that better. It seemed like it has. I mean, but that's the thing. You know, you can post pictures on social media all you want, but when it when you're in, in the in the grit and the grind of the season, will that friendship stay strong or will those those old rumors come out to the forefront and be um, show, showcased in the style of play and guys play together? So he has to look at that too. He has to look at the possibility of does he like this Washington D.C. area? Does he um, take the money? But as a basketball player, but, but before we even get to that, as a basketball player, let's think about this though. Last year, he went in starting the season believing one thing Playoff. because he had a healthy roster. Playoffs. John Wall gets hurt. They weren't really actually competing for the playoffs by the time he got hurt, anyway but they were pretty much falling out of the playoff race and John Wall got hurt anyway because he had bone spurs at first and they had to sit him down. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, he was making pudding at home and I guess some of it spilt on the floor and he tore his Achilles. So you've got that. And you got Bradley Bill getting the opportunity to emerge single-handedly along with the pre-existing story that you've already built up and explained that we all know to be somewhat true, which is that at the beginning, they were a little rough around the edges. Now, obviously, they got to a point where they were considered one of the top three backwards in the league. You do that by, you know, furbishing some sort of chemistry. So I do believe they have a chemistry level. But here's the problem. John Wall, if he comes back healthy, 100%, we're still talking about an Achilles injury. Brad Bill now has to readjust to a new version of the guy he used to play with. A guy who used to, you know, like, come down the court, wave him off, go by his man and dunk on the whole team to a guy who might try that and not be able to do it because he just simply doesn't possess that type of athletic explosion anymore. And he's going to have to be a different type of, of player when he's never really demonstrated that the skills he needed to translate into his thirties and still be effective. Haven't really shown themselves. Like he didn't get the default mid range jumper that a point guard who doesn't shoot threes well does in the middle of his career so that they, they then eventually progressed to being a decent three point shooter. He just kind of, gradually gotten from, ah, let him shoot to, ah, well, if he's going to shoot, let him take that mid-range to, if he takes a three, we'll deal with it. And he hasn't really progressed any more dangerously beyond that. I will hope that now with all this time that he's had off, that maybe he's working on his shooting, his release, and maybe he comes back a better shooter. And if he does come back a better shooter, then that backcourt has 
all the potential in the world. I just don't think that Bradley Bill, at this point and at this this time of his life, probably wants to wait and go through three transitions with the same franchise in a span of three years. I just don't think that it's realistic to expect that of him or to hold him to that expectation that that's something that he would want to do. You know, I, mm, I really do think the more that I look at it, that, that the writing is on the wall. And <clears throat> if I were to make a hot take prediction, I would prepare the Wizards to start putting together trade packages to see what you can get out there and you probably want to trade him to the West so that you don't have to see him again for the rest of his career out there looking, you know, super duper special like he always has. And like I alluded to in previous podcasts, there's a known situation where and I have to bring it up, but Bradley Bill has a, um, a leg condition. Yeah, you keep you keep saying that. I mean, like I said, I don't know. I didn't I didn't hear nothing about this condition. So I'd, it'd be interesting to hear or see what you're talking about in reference, because uh, he he's played, he's played. he has stress reactions on his bones, stress reactions on his bones. Yeah, these dark spots cause the bone to be fragile and, and likely to break under too much stress. <laughs> Damn, he's gonna be stressed pretty much. He had he had a he had a he had a um. He had a fracture in his career early, so it's something that that they deal with and manage. So again, his longevity as a long-term player. Obviously, he played you know he played pretty much a complete season last year. So it's, it's not my way of like sliding him or anything. I don't want it to make it seem that way. He's actually played eighty-two games two years in a row, and then the year prior to that, seventy-seven. But before that, he had never played a full season. It was always somewhere between 56 and 73 games that he had managed to, to to max out at. So there's always that lingering. And, of course, as you age, what do your bones do? They become more and more fragile. So mm-hmm. I think he understands that his window is probably now. Like, I'm, what, 26, 27? Mm-hmm. I'm, in the prim- I'm in the prime of what I'm going to be. I have a chance to ascend. Or I could wind up going out like Brandon Roy whose body just gave out on him and there was nothing more he could do about it. And obviously, Brandon Roy had more traumatic injuries. He tore his ACL, so on and so forth. But he also had a knee that was essentially, you know, rubbing metal together. And, and, it, took, and it took what made Brandon, you know, Brandon Roy special and reduced him to nothing. So if I'm Bradley Bill, I think that that writing is on the wall with the way he's dealing with the contract offer. Because if he was all in... And willing to deal with the transitions that I alluded to earlier, he would have signed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think personally, I think he he's in a situation where he could he could technically. Uh, I, I mean, me personally, I think I would just I'd roll out. But like I said, when you're talking about the different factors that come into these players' decisions, he might really like this area enough to where he wants to try to stick it out. I mean, I don't. I don't see the, you know, it's it's very, it's a cool thing to do, but if your goal is to win championships, it's not happening in D.C. And, and at some point, you got to face the reality and say, you know what, I, I, I gave it my own. I did what I could, and I'm doing what I can. Because the thing about this, even with John Wall out, there's no, there's no help. So it's not like, okay, we got a bunch of scrappy guys, these guys can get it to 40 wins. John Wall comes back. We get to 48. 
No, these guys are going to get you. John Wall, I don't think John Wall plays this year. Do you think John Wall plays this year? He went out. No, no, he's not. No, he's, 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 he's out. All the, he's out. He's out. Like, no, but what I'm saying is, if I'm Bill, I'm looking at this roster, and I'm saying to myself, mm-hmm. okay, I got till October to sign this extension. I'm not going to sign it because even if John Wall was playing, this is not a playoff team. So agreed. So why am I wasting these quality years of my life and I'm not making the playoffs? You know, every player wants you hate losing. I don't care how old you get. Excuse me, I don't know how old you get, whether you play rec leagues or you play professional leagues. Nobody you, wants to lose. Nobody wants nobody to wakes lose. up and says, I can't wait to go out there and lose sixteen one or sixteen zip. Yeah. Ain't nothing ain't nothing like getting skunked. I mean, those type of players are ones that just like they're just happy to be there. You yeah, know, and, like and, they love the game. And then the, and, let's be honest, you're gonna be the man on a bad team. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm putting up twenty five to thirty points at night, but we're losing and we're losing bad. And this is gonna get old quick. Because it already is old. The, They've already he's already tasted he's already tasted how to lose fifty different times last year. And played his heart out. He he yeah. he probably had at least five to ten top ten plays highlights as far as as far as the NBA season goes. And we know better than anybody how difficult it is to do that when you're on a losing team. To to have the NBA want to showcase your talent in a situation where it does nothing for their product or brand to bring to light a player that's playing well on a team that isn't very successful. But Bradley Bill is that significant of a talent. I mean. Let's go back and really review it. 25 and 5 are Hall of Fame numbers for perimeter players. You go out and you give them 25 and 5 for three, or three, four seasons in a row, you're pretty much stamped. You know, you can go through the, I don't know who are the other players who've done it, but that list that he's on of players who've done it for a season, it, it, it's, 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 a quite a, it's quite a resume. I mean, I think like Dwayne Wade's on that resume. You might even have a McGrady. And and Kobe and, and players of that cloth, mm-hmm. LeBron, who, who are able to, LeBron, yeah, you're you're dealing with you know upper echelon level talent when you're able to generate that. So I just see, okay, let's go ahead and pencil in Bradley Bill for twenty five five and five. Now what? We we already said that Tom, you know, Thomas Bryant is going to give us ten and six expected with the previous minutes. If we up him incrementally to 14 and eight that's still you know it's it's just not enough Uh being and i think it's another situation like what we dealt with when we when we spoke about um the team we reviewed prior it's like they have so much unknown the hawks they have so much unknown going out on the floor that is really tough to say but because of the history of how the nba works with youth and they have so much youth on their roster it's almost a given that they won't be very successful. Like, I don't recall there being a team full of rookies that mustered their way into the playoffs Mm-mm. ever. No, no, no. Now, I've seen teams with great rookies go to the playoffs, like when Shaquille O'Neal came into the league. You know, Michael Jordan did it, but that was back when you could win 34 games to go to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So it's a totally different era of basketball. Most of the teams that are been picked to go to the Eastern Conference playoffs, haven't done much to lower themselves, if at all, 
other than maybe Toronto by losing their best player by way of free agency. But beyond that, most of those teams have swapped out enough talent that they're that they're plus minus from where they were last year isn't enough to say, all right, well, we can just pull them out of the playoffs. So you're right. You're right. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I'm just looking back. Since Bill was in there, got joined the Wizards. He joined the Wizards in the 2012-2013 season. They've been in the playoffs like four times, right? Uh, yeah, that's what I was to say. He's only been in the playoffs four times. And so for him, it's think about it. He's only been in the playoffs four times. This upcoming year is going to be going to miss out again. And if he signs that extension with the fact that they're so cash strapped, he might keep. He might miss him. Those might be the only four uh, player for appearances he, he get. You know, in the next five years. So yeah, if I was him, I would look to move. Like I said, it's I have so many factors in deciding to stay. And you could because I mean you're a hot commodity. You're, you're not a. You're a guy that championship teams with trans, trans, championship at, at aspirations are going to be looking for you. You know what I mean? You got to figure you're a solid number two wherever you go to the point where there's going to be given nights where you're flowing and you're going to they'll be feeding you like you're the number one player. And they'll have no problem paying you that max money. So if I got a chance to win and get max money, I think it, me personally, I'm, I'm going for there. I think it's just a matter of where, like you said, where they're going to try to trade him because – you know, they can't trade him anytime soon because well, half the league can't be traded until December, the way uh, their contracts are set up. But he he hasn't signed anything, so he's mm-hmm. eligible to be traded yeah. no, at, any, at the drop of a hat. But again, like you just say, the trade partners that can send talent back, they're, they're handcuffed. I think... I think that he winds up... If he gets traded... He winds up somehow on a team like Dallas, where where Washington gets stuck with Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract because I don't know what Tim Hardaway might be might only have like a year or two left on his deal. And technically, if you give Tim Hardaway enough shots, he'll give you 18 points a game. So it almost seems cosmetically like you're swapping out and not really trading off too much. But we we know the difference between a Bradley Bill versus a Tim Hardaway Jr. But my point is, is that like he he gets flipped, he's going to wind up going to a team like that. And the only reason why I hedge is because in this era of player empowerment, if you can't specifically make the team that you want to leave, trade you to exactly where you want to go, you wind up with the same situation that year that your contract expires, which is next season it expires. So I think that's probably part of why Bradley Bill hasn't really buckled down and decided I want to sign this extension because the moment he does, he could still sign the extension and say, trade me. And they're going to trade him. They are going to trade him. It's, it, it, it goes without saying. If Bradley Bill signs that deal or no deal, he still can be traded just because he wants to. That is the leverage that these players now hold. And, and every team has to be accountable for it. Yeah, you could trot him out there. You could trot him out there, but guess what? He don't want to play for you. And you already know that he's got, he's got leg conditions. Yeah, but I, I, I don't, I, I think team's going to take, they're going to look at him and, and and try to make that deal. I just don't know if the owner is going to want to trade him. I mean, because all you've honestly, all I've been hearing is they don't want to trade him at all. They want to try to figure it out. They want to try to figure out how they can make this work. And 
because they, they look at it like we're not going anywhere. At least, at least we can have a marketable player, a, a very to, marketable to, to, player to carry to carry us through this. Era. Yeah, we got an all star, all star caliber player. I mean, he's been to the all star game um, multiple times, and he's up to scoring pretty much uh, every year that he's been in the league. Yeah, every yeah every year he's been in the league. So, with that being said, and they're looking at him saying, okay. We're gonna need some more out of you this year. I mean, maybe. So let's flip the narrative. Let's flip the narrative. So based on what we know of of what's composed on their roster and the fact that they have brought in a new voice in the front office, if they were to hunker down and somehow convince Bradley Bill to stay, how do you begin the process of putting a team out there that makes it worth them doing that? and him agreeing to wait out that long haul. Because right now, they've got a bunch of plug-and-play guys that, like, at any given moment, you can drop some, like, you know, like a bad cold. So Isaiah Thomas is only on a one-year deal, I believe. Yeah, but he's, he's on the cheap. He's 1.6. That's nothing. Right. So that's not really much of a flippable asset. Now, uh-huh. again, they're top contract heavy. They have Ian Mahimi, who I don't know how long he's signed for, but I'm hoping this is the last year of his deal because he's at 15.5. So that's a great expiring contract to flip on any team like a, um, mm-hmm. you can get him over to the Clippers in a heartbeat if they can find the room for him because he's serviceable there. He'll go play for Doc. Yeah, but you know? the, the thing about Doc and him, they might not want to give up anything for him. What do they have to give up? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. That, that's your, that you their, can... their cachet of assets is, is so, is, is so, their cup is bare that if they felt you know what, let's go ahead and take this $15 million salary now so that we have that $15 million surplus going into year two of the Kawhi, Paul George thing. Because remember, they signed for three years. Yeah. Paul George deal runs out in three years and Kawhi signed for three years. Uh So Los Angeles is still technically on the clock. Maybe there's no pressure for them to immediately win a championship, but if they are demonstrating championship aspirations every year, then they're going to have the same problem that the teams that they left from had in trying to keep them. So a team like Washington, again, through the draft, they're obviously destined to get themselves a lottery pick this year if they haven't traded it away. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they haven't. I don't know their lottery pick situation or their pick situation as far as their, their first-round pick commitments. I don't know how long they have Ish Smith on the roster for, but the guys that you, that you know are long-term, you got Rui Hachimura. Is, is he a keeper? They have to decide that. Mm-hmm. And they probably only have a 28 to 32 game window to decide. Hey, this guy needs to be a part of what we're doing in the future. Bradley likes him too. You know? Yeah, yeah, Mahimi is a non-factor. He's gone. CJ Miles, he's gone. Like these are guys who, and there's no disrespect to their talent, but where they are as veterans in this league, like you can put those guys on any mm-hmm. roster. They're going to give you what they give you. What they're giving you in Washington doesn't matter as much is if you put them in Utah or Golden State or yeah, yeah. whatever the case may be, one of those upper echelon teams. So, well, again, it, when we, it, when it, Smith, he's got a uh, – he's on a two-year, $12 million deal. So, that's, that's very – Is it a second-year player option or is it a team uh, option? This he's one, probably on the, this the one new – doesn't the new, say. He's probably on one of those new era. Yeah, it doesn't, it does, it doesn't say. But either way, like I said, he's on a team-friendly deal. I mean, like the biggest thing is – since the John Wall contract is such a big contract, you know, like I said, that's eating up 30, $38 million, and that's only going to go and up. And it's going to go year. up. 
So with that, yeah, he's on a borderline. His contract is borderline chasing down Chris Paul's. So, yeah. Um, so Ishmith is on a two-year deal. Both years are are, are pretty much guaranteed. So there's nothing. Um, but like I said, that, that's a that's a contract. A six million dollar contract is not that. It's you know it, it could probably be moved. You know what I mean? Um, who else is making some serious money for the Wizards? I mean the Wizards, like you said, we don't know the Wizards. I don't know the Wizards' um, draft pick situation. Like you said, but if you move in CJ Miles and Mahimi, that right there is twenty three million dollars off your books. So, and then you got oh, you can't move in Mahimi. You cannot. You said. He signed for another year at fifteen four. Wait, he's no. oh wait 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 no this is no. actually the last year of his deal. I'm sorry, oh, so yeah, correction. Yeah. I stand corrected. So he's an expiring contract worth fifteen million. And who's the other guy? CJ Miles. CJ Miles, I believe. CJ Miles' deal is an expiring contract as well for eight eight point seven. That's what I'm saying. So, so you, you got, got you got twenty three million in assets, twenty three twenty four million in assets mm-hmm. that you can move. To, to to start putting things in place. The yep. funny thing or, is, though, is... Or they're going to let that play out and then let those contracts walk if they don't want to bring on any salaries beyond this year. That sounds great from, you know, the salary cap calculation computer. Mm-hmm. That's not where Bradley Bill is sitting, though. No, what, I'm, what saying, I'm trying to no, say? No, what I'm saying is, but you're going to... You're going to find out if he wants to stay or go before that end of the season. So if you realize, oh, that- I think they know already. I think they know already. It just hasn't been announced. Bradley Bill is a player with class, so I don't think he's going to put it out there that he wants his options pursued. So the best way to do so is to drag your feet with this contract. No, but what I mean is, they, if they know that he wants to stay, then they're going to try to figure out get him some more weapons. But if they know he wants to leave. They might just try to play this out and not give him any help in the meantime. I mean, you you, you just don't know uh, what the Wizards are thinking. Obviously, they they put themselves in this hole right here, so you, obviously they weren't thinking too. They're not too calculated. I mean, so I, I okay. Really so don't know. so let's 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 go with that protocol. They play the season out, essentially taking. They win enough games to get themselves a lottery pick. Somewhere, you know, within the first 13 picks. The, the projected number one pick this year in the draft, ironically, is um, LaMelo. So <clears throat> that goes without saying that this draft is kind of a crapshoot if LaMelo has somehow managed to catapult himself into being a, considered a, one of the, 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 the top picks eligible for this year's draft. So now you have Ian Mahimi and CJ Miles off your books. That's $23 million in salary. You still got Bradley Bill technically because it's an expiring contract. His deal expires the end of next year. So now he's on contract to play with you. He's already turned down an extension, but he's got to play out that year. So you can do the Kawhi thing and say, okay, well, we're going to try and win you back this year because not only, not only have we shed $23 million in salary, but we're getting our quote-unquote franchise player back, hopefully at a level close to what he was before he got hurt. And you have $23 million of salary worth to improve. Rui Hachimura has played his rookie season, and he somehow made it to the all-rookie team. Now, again, I'm being hypothetical in a positive sense. Moritz Wagner turns out to be a dream 
stretch four. See, see, this is too much. This is too much. This, I mean, if I'm Bradley Beal, this is this is too many what ifs, and I can't be, I can't make my long term decision on a bunch of what ifs with a bunch of players that, uh, that haven't shown. But me again, anything. I think his decision has been made. It's just a so, matter of okay. So fast executing. That. So so fast forward. What's your prediction on the Wizards this season? As far as as far as wins, you said what twenty games? You said I said I said it'll be amazing if they win twenty. I got them at a ceiling of nineteen, maybe fifteen. Okay, so and I got them about oh I got them about the same. And I was thinking anywhere between fifteen to twenty wins this season. Uh, yeah, anywhere between fifteen to twenty wins this season for the Wizards. Obviously, if they do, if if Bill resigns that might go up because they might try to start trading players towards the, like, around the all-star break and then they could win some more games. Or if Bill is gone, then you know the season is a wrap and they're going to they're gonna just try to um, continue to tank. So we'll see how that go, plays out. Um, but, like, just to switch gears, and because we don't want to have too much time on the Wizards. I mean, like I said, D.C. is, is a better party town than there's a basketball town so you know I think um, what's the um, what's your favorite memory of the Wizards I mean it could go so many different directions I think um, yeah what's your favorite memory of the Wizards or because every team has uh, has something that you like about them obviously we're we're big time basketball fans and we we can do a lot of these podcasts off the cuff just because of the knowledge that we have and the the love of the game. So, but like, what's your um, take on the Wizards? Like, your favorite memories of the Wizards? Um, I think it was John Wall's ascent to stardom that hmm. really that that was really um, made made a big impression on me, and I think that culminated with the year that they had Paul Pierce. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't like Paul Pierce like guaranteeing they were gonna win games and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like he brought he 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 brought some pressure there that I don't think Washington as as a franchise even knew existed. And I thought that was I thought that was a dope uh, a, a, a dope time to, to be a Wizards fan. And I think that's probably right around the time that, like, you were, like, in the middle of, of, of like, being there and adjusting and stuff. So I'm pretty sure that was kind of exciting for you, too. But, yeah, when Paul Pierce was on the Wizards and, and John Wall was making his claim to fame and he was basically turning every point guard who came up against him into shredded wheat, that was dope to watch. Mm. That, that, that's, that's, that's my... My, my ultimate Wizards memory. I'm not going to go back and talk about Wes Unsell like I was alive, so... No, no, of course, of course. Um, for me, it was earlier than that. Um, Don't talk about the Chris Webber, Juwan Howard era, or Rashid Wallace. No, that was a good. I, I think when they would have known as the Bullets, when they had Ross Strickland, uh, Calvin Cheney, mm. Juwan mm. Howard, they didn't keep that. Team, in my opinion, they didn't keep that team long enough. I think that team could have developed into something. Yeah, they uh, kind of blamed Weber, Weber, and then shipped them out. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cold, but but I I was gonna say the Hibachi era for Gilbert, uh, <sighs> because I had just moved to D.C. right around that time, and I'm not gonna lie, I used to see that D.C. was really a lot of these 
lot of these all-star players, like this was the years when it was him, uh, Antoine Jameson, and Karan Butler making the all-star games, you would see these cats out and about. Like sometimes just at your grocery store or you would see them uh, just throughout D.C. And it was like, yo, y'all, y'all actually doing something. And, you know, y'all seem cool as crap. Like one time I went to a um, quick story, but I was in a bowling alley and then the next lane from me was Gilbert Arenas and like Juan Dixon. And it was just cool and bowling. Shout was, out to Juan. Yo, and it was like, yo, what up? You know, like they was on some real cool out, peaceful, chill joint. And I was like, yo, 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 that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, so I really thought to me, because for me, I'm like, oh, DC like this? Like, you know, Cats is making all-star games. But they still out in the public's eye. Like, they're not jerks or nothing like that. It was like, okay. I mean, granted, Gilbert was also younger than two, but still, you know, it was one of those situations where I, you know, when you see these type of athletes out, out here, and this is before, obviously, Gilbert had the injuries and, you know, the antics that kind of derailed his career. Uh, but this was Gilbert, like I said, you know, if you catch him out, he's out. If not, he was constantly working on his game, getting better. And like I said, that that era before he started getting hurt. So that was basically from the 2004 season to like 2007. Uh, that's when Gilbert was crushing the league. And like I said, when he had Antoine Jameson and Karan Butler both making all-star games during pretty much during that same through that three year window uh that he did. So like I said, that's one thing that I liked about this area. Because the DC was on fire at that time. And said it was it was it was cool to go to games. It was like, yo, these these cats is actually doing something. But now granted we played they ended up playing against LeBron's Cavs and couldn't get past LeBron's Cavs. But which you can't really fault them for. I mean, Deshaun Stevenson, the whole back and forth with Jay-Z and Soldier Boy, like, that was dope. That was dope. That was dope. It was, you, you're right. That, that probably is a culmination of, of what it could be like if, if the Wizards actually were able to keep a basketball town going. Mm-hmm. Like, that definitely was some turnt energy. Like, I was tuned in. I was tuned in. I mean, they was both doing funny-ass gang signs and hand gestures and, like, every moment of Wizards versus Cavs was just like must see TV. I can't I can't believe I kind of forgot that, but like I definitely really did enjoy because I mean John Wall is always gonna be a player that I cheer for. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I just felt like he he manifests a lot of the natural like like I think the fact that he's hurt, it gets forgotten how really devastating and how much of a problem he was, even with his limitations. I mean, for him to have a mediocre jump shot and be able to get to the basket anytime he wanted to for him to be able to take a rebound and, and finish in, in the paint from that rebound all the way down the floor. Like there, there was, there was a lot, he did a good job of making it okay to let what happened with Gilbert arenas go. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people held mm-hmm. on to the fact that, you know, the way Gilbert went out, that wasn't something the fans were happy about. That was something that the management and the NBA structure was more relieved. Like, all right, this guy kind of played himself out of the NBA. We're going to go ahead and insurance him out of here. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to talk about guns in the locker room no more. Let's move on. So, pretty much. Yeah, man. I mean, it, that, that pretty much wraps up what we're talking about today. We got the Washington Wizards pegged to win less than 20 games. Somewhere mm-hmm. between 15 to 19 at the max. Um, 
if we're wrong, we'll both be happy to say so because he's a veteran of the DC era. Um, obviously, if anything anything changes as far as them having a major development at any course in the season that we feel like it'll change their trajectory, we'll be more than happy to do an update. The same goes for any of the other previous teams that we've spoken about. So if a trade happens, then that obviously is going to take our season predictions out the window. And we'll, of course, recalibrate those based on whatever's added or subtracted from their roster. But on that note, as always, we just want to say thank you to each and every one of y'all who take the time out to listen to our podcast. We know y'all got important things to do in your life, so we appreciate y'all giving us a portion of it. As always, if you have any feedback to give to us, you can do so via the podcast host that, we are, that we're available on. You can, as always, leave us a message through viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram, our page is Views from the Clutch. You can go ahead and hit our Facebook page for likes, commentary, anything that you would like to have us discuss. And on that note, I'll say peace. Peace.